at One Day University. We feature hundreds of top-rated professors from Stanford, Harvard, Michigan, Texas, UCLA, and other schools across the world to explore history, music, politics, art, science, and much more. Every Wednesday, our weekly scholar newsletter includes five fascinating short video clips of our most notable professors discussing a brand new topic, plus special reports and topical debates as well. Sign up for free at OneDayU.com. That's O-N-E-D-A-Y-U.com. Welcome to the New Heights Show on Education. I'm Pamela Clark, founder and director of the New Heights Educational Group. And I'm here with David Smith, the founder of Silicon Valley High School, who has helped us get these podcasts produced and delivered to you. Yes, Pamela, when we saw the great things that you and your army of volunteers were achieving at New Heights, we wanted to get involved. We're happy to work with you to leverage the internet and make quality education accessible and affordable to everyone, everywhere. Thank you, David. We appreciate Silicon Valley High School helping us to get these podcasts out to the hundreds of thousands of listeners from all over the world. So I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Thank you for tuning in to the New Heights Show on Education. My name is Freddie, and my main topic is on technology and cyber awareness. Um, the show is affiliated with NHEG, so please be sure to check out uh, newheightseducation.org for more information about us. Now, for today, we're going to take a short break from the Tech Talks of Wednesday nights because I'm excited to announce that in today's episode, we have a very special guest. His name is Kevin Coolidge, and he is an author who wrote books like Totally Ninja Raccoons as his main series for children. Right now, you might be struggling through your classes or even failing them. You might be worried that you may not finish high school. There might have even been a thought that you may not be smart enough. Well, the New Heights Educational Group begs to differ. We not only think you are smart enough, but with our help, you will complete your high school diploma. The New Heights Educational Group strives to improve your academic success through its tutoring services. To learn more, please visit newheightseducation.org and contact us. New Heights Educational Group educational resources to help reach your goals so like my previous episodes uh this episode is cut into 12 to 15 minute parts so we'll be taking a short break and then we'll be jumping back into the episode mr coolidge thank you for taking the time to join uh, nhg's uh, radio show here at Everyone here at uh, NHEG is excited to have you. Like said, as a tech geek or just someone who loves the nerd culture as much as you do, I think we'll be getting along just fine. That being said, how are you doing tonight, Mr. Coolidge? I'm doing great, Freddie. I'm glad to be here. All right. We're also glad that you're here. So just uh, we're just going to go straight to the gun here. Um, please just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Oh, like I'm, I'm from uh, Wellsboro, Pennsylvania which is home of the Pennsylvania Grand Canyon. And I own an independently owned bookstore for my shop, Books and Gifts, with my wife, several helpful employees, and two cats named Huck and Fish. You know, I've been actually wanting to do an American road trip tour. Now, before NHEG or even college as an international student, I was in Canada, so Canadian, born and raised. And then I started to live here in California for almost about eight years now. So during my eight years in the U.S., I never knew there was another Grand Canyon in Pennsylvania. So I take it it's the desertless version. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the desertless version of the Grand Canyon that I know, which is, in, which is in Arizona. So allow me to repeat you a little bit. Um, from my shelf books is Mr. Coolidge's bookstore. It is based in Wellsboro, uh, Pennsylvania. So anyone checking out the area, please visit his store. 
So um, now, what are your hobbies and interests, Mr. Coolidge? Well, I have a, I have a lot of hobbies and interests. My, my, one of my favorite, which I, you know, is I love to read. I, I actually don't remember a time when I haven't been able to read. <laughs> right. yeah, I kind of flow naturally into to having a bookstore because you can never have. I feel you can never have too many books, but you cannot have enough bookshelves. So some books you read once, some books you keep. And so I had, I found I had more books than I knew what to do with. So I started selling some some of my books. And when I met my wife, she also was selling some books. She's a huge book lover. And so that just kind of flowed into into establishing a bookstore. And I also love movies. I like to follow the movie market. I have actually a screenplay or two that I've written. And I love comedy. Like so, I love action movies. I love all types of movies, anywhere from documentaries to comedies. But I also enjoy like um, storytelling and comedy. And my reading interests are anything from um, unusual history to cryptids to the reading on the movie industry. Well, that's crazy. I mean, uh, there's a song that I would listen to daily, and the lyrics would say. Uh, love what you do and do what you love. And I can see how loving what you do led you to having a bookstore, especially with uh, your wife and even to become an author even. And as far as cryptids go, cryptids, um, you should visit uh, British Columbia sometime. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Ogopogo, but it's uh, pretty much the Canadian version of the Loch Ness Monster. And it's been reported that it lives in the Okanagan Lake. So, I mean, if I... If I ever do go back there and I spot the Ogopogo, you would be the first to know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So now that being said, um, just curious, uh, how did you hear about NHEG? Well, I actually heard about NHEG from RadioGuestList.com. This is a website that I subscribe to, and they send out emails several times a week with podcasts looking for guests. And if there's a podcast that no. I seem like I would be a good match for it. Then I send them an email and, and tell them about some of what I think things I do and that I'm interested in being a, a guest. So that's how I that's how I first heard about an AGG. That's amazing, Mr. Coolidge. I'm I'm really happy that you heard about us and decided to join us. Really, and uh, you know this is my first time uh, doing a doing a guest show, so I'm really happy that I could finally have someone on my show. So I'm just really happy that you're here. Thank you. <laughs> so, what inspired you? What inspired you to become an author? Well, one of the things that inspired me to become an author is because I love stories and storytelling. I'm I'm a bit of a natural storyteller, but I feel that I'm most of I'm more in the written tradition than the oral. I mean, I do I do some oral storytelling. Um, you know, I do some presentations. I tell some stories to my nephews and my uncles and, and the people come in, but I find that I usually do a little bit better if I get to write them down and they'll slow my mind down. So that's one of the things I really like to do is have these stories, but if, if you write them down, then they stay longer. So uh, I'm like, I should just write some of these down and, and make these more permanent. That's one of the things that inspired me to become an author. That's pretty awesome. Um, I, I do agree that that written stories do last longer because I mean, once you hear it, it's like, okay, what what did he say again? But once you write it down, that's pretty much like a permanent thing, right? I mean, 
regardless of whether it's like written or oral, I mean, no matter the form of the story, it's uh, it's always a work of art, you know, from songs, uh, poetry, uh, books, or even a picture that a storyteller can express themselves will always leave an impact to the listener or reader, no matter the form of art. So, yeah. <laughs> right. So now what are, what were your conflicts that you've had as an author? I think the biggest conflict for me as an author is actually finishing something. So I have I have a thousand ideals that I will never get to, and I know that. And I love I love the raw creation process where you come up with an ideal and then you kind of mold it and make it work. The ideal is the easy part, but once you get the ideal and then you kind of make it work and you get that out there, that's uh, that's. But sometimes what happens is. When you start, and that's the fun part, and then you run into a roadblock, and then you put it aside and say, I'll be back to this. And for every book I write, there's like three that I've either started and I haven't finished yet, or <laughs> I feel that's playing in there in the background that I'm going to get to it and I haven't gotten to it yet. So I think the biggest part is, is like, you know, the best piece of advice I had from another writer when I started writing is just finish something. Because so, you can't write your second book until you write your first. Um, nobody is happy with their like with the first draft. So once you write it down, you can always go back and you know reshape it, um, add to it, take away from it. So that's uh, the most important thing is just to get something down first, and then you can go back and and work with it. You know, funny you said that because uh, every time I used to write my college essays, like I would have all these ideas. And then I'd go back and I'd try to edit it out. But, you know, once you, like, look back at it, like, without ever finishing it, you know, you never really get the time to, like, think about how to finish it. You know what I mean? So I can imagine what that's like. And I think it's pretty common to have a really good idea just pop up and then another idea and another. And then you realize, oh, wait, I have to work on my first idea. You know, same with time. I mean, also the thing with time is that I could say is our worst enemy. But at the same time, like, depending on how you use it, uh, time could be your best friend. You know, it gives us time on how to perfect your craft. Now, what can you tell me about the first book you ever wrote? Well, the first book I, I, I wrote actually was Hubble Finds a Home. It's a picture book about how my first cat comes to live with me. Now, I had, I had written you know, essays in college, and I wrote book review columns for the local paper. And there was this advertisement of this, like one of those community, community education where how to write a children's book. And I'm like, well, that would be, I said, I've always wanted to write a children's book. So I took this class. It was like a, like a two-part class. Like the first night was like three or four hours. And then you come back a month later for another three or four hours. And I wrote this book. And it was kind of like, it kind of flowed out of the story of how my cat comes to live with me. Because I grew up with dogs. I love all animals, but I had these big dogs, and they didn't really like cats. And I was living out in the country. This was never had my first cat until I was in my 30s. I was living out in the country, and I didn't have a, a pet at the time. And this little stray kitten started hanging around. And as these things go, he ended up adopting me. Um, he would put, I would put some food out. He didn't seem to be a very good hunter, so I'm like, I hate to see anything go hungry, so I would put. I didn't have any cat food, so all I had that I thought that a cat would like was, you know, and tuna fish. 
I put a little tuna fish out for him, and he started hanging around. And there was a farm up the road, and I, I made up this story that I would tell my nephews that, you know, he didn't want to live in the farm anymore, so he moved away. So I just kind of, this just kind of flowed naturally into this story. And that was my first book. So that's pretty awesome. So Hobo, Hobo Finds a Home, it was your first book. And yeah. we're probably going to talk a little bit more about that shortly. But I'm pretty sure that, you know, having having the best of both, you know, both dogs and dogs and cats, you know, having them get along would have been great. Now, um, we're going to take a little short break and we'll get back to it shortly. All right. This podcast is brought to you by Silicon Valley High School, the world's fastest growing video-based, self-paced, teacher-supported, fully accredited online school that's recommended by more than 96% of students. Take individual courses at just $95 each or earn your high school diploma at any age. Check us out at svhs.co. Welcome back to our radio show. Now, uh, we are here with a a special guest. Uh, His name is Kevin Coolidge, and we were just talking about uh, what, what his background is and what his first book was. So now to jump right back in, uh, Again, uh, Mr. Coolidge, uh, thank you for coming coming to uh, join us to do this uh, one episode. And uh, just to go jump back in, uh, just uh, tell me a little bit of what is your favorite book that you've written? I get I get asked that. And it's like, what's my favorite book? Because I've written like twelve books now, and it's it's really hard to answer. It's like asking. Somebody who, like, if you've had several pets over your lifetime, what was your favorite pet? So I've had both dogs, I've had cats, I've had hamsters, and you know, it's, I like each one for a different reason. So I like my secret in Nesmic Lake because I have a I have a cat talking in a Scottish dialect. That was a lot of fun. Um, I actually had some friends in Scotland, so I ran the dialect by them to make sure it was authentic but not too thick. Um, I like the little green men because. I grew up reading a lot of science fiction, so my, the, the totally interactions with the little green men is kind of my first alien contact scenario. Um, so I, I like all my books. I think maybe the one that I like the, the most is, is the one that I'm currently working on, whatever that one is, because it's the next exciting thing that I get to find out where I, so I, a lot of times I have to finish writing a book so I know what's going on, how, how the story ends. So maybe the, my very favorite book is the one that I haven't quite yet written yet. I see. And that's fair. And I like how you say that you like the book or you, you know, or else you would never really finish them. You know, I've heard writers and creators uh, treat their own writings as pretty much their own child. And uh, if you're a parent and your child asks you, so who's better, me or my ugly brother? You know, so you never really look at their parents or what their personality is. But the thing that you look at the most is, you know, they're yours and you love them just for being part of the family, right? So, that's good analogy. <laughs> thank you. So, going back to your books, um, I see that Totally Ninja Raccoons is your main series. And if I were to go back in time to when I was in elementary, you know, I would find myself reading the whole series because I did love ninjas growing up. I loved anything action-y. Now, what made you come up with the idea of Totally Ninja Raccoons? Well, I, I love 
I, I want to when I was when I'm writing this series, it's I tried to access the you know, the eight year old me. I want to go back to what I liked when I liked that age. And I liked ninjas growing up. I still like ninjas. And I grew up um, loving kung fu movies and ninja movies. And I love raccoons. And you know they're they're silly. They're they're like little ninjas. They're tricksters. You know, there some people call them thieves sometimes, especially here in rural Pennsylvania. You know, you get up in the morning and your trash is all over. I'm like, oh, those trash cans <laughs> got my garbage again. And but you know, they they have the mask. And I'm like, oh, but they're not they're not thieves. They have masks. They're they're little ninjas. And that's kind of where I got the idea. Is like, you no, know, you don't have to be a thief. You can choose to be a ninja. So that's part of the the whole thing behind the ninja raccoons is that you get to choose your own path. So it's Instead of just being like the first scene of the book, the first chapter has them where they you know their origin story and how they decide they're going to be ninjas. And this guy comes out there in the track, they're in the trash cans eating garbage, and he comes out and he yells at him. He says, "Get out of my garbage cans, you stinking thieves!" And they're like, "Who's that thieves? This this food was thrown away. It's fair game. We have masks. We're going to be ninjas." And only ninja raccoons are born. That is awesome. And it's actually funny you used the uh, raccoons and made them into ninjas. You know, like you said, um, raccoons are tricksters and ninjas are somewhat the same thing. Um, I read up on a website called History 101 that around uh, the 15th century of Japan, um, there was a clan of ninjas called uh, the Shinoku clan. And uh, they would disguise themselves as their enemy to sneak into the to the Hara castle, which is the enemy's base at the time for the Shinoku. And that's pretty much you would call the art of trickery. And what's funny is that for you to kind of put the raccoons as the same kind of category as thieves, you know, ninjas did actually used to steal uh, bags of rice from their enemies. So I think ninjas and raccoons are actually pretty similar if you really think about it. Yes. So... I took a look at the summary of Operation Ragnarok, and uh, I saw that it was a, about a group of uh, gamers who looked, who pretty much took a trip to uh, to the museum and stole a Viking longship. Now, as a longtime gamer, you know, someone who plays uh, video games or just someone who's into the nerd co- uh, nerd culture, that pretty much caught my attention. So, what inspired you to write that book? This this is a uh... Like I actually dedicate this book to gamers, geeks, and goofballs because it's it's a little geeky. It's it's kind of like Big Bang Theory meets Night at the Museum. And what what gave me this idea is ideals come from all over, and and sometimes I never know exactly what's going to start. But basically, where I got this idea from, I was on the internet, and there was this article about this museum in Denmark that would make you a, a, an authentic Viking longship and the traditional methods that were used in, in those times. And, and, you know, you could buy it, but, of course, it's, it's quite expensive. And I thought to myself, boy, I, I wish I had the money to buy a boat like that. And then I thought, you know what? A real Viking wouldn't buy a boat like that. He'd steal it. And I'm like, wouldn't that be fun? And then I actually put up a post on my Facebook, and, like, I shared the, I shared the article. I'm like, oh, who wants to come with me and, and go for this Viking longship. And I had several friends, like, I'll do that. And then before I knew it, I'm like, um, and they were some friends I had gamed with. I've, I've actually been playing D&D since the 80s. And I'm like, that would be a great adventure. And that's, that's where the idea was born. 
That is awesome, actually. <laughs> so, I mean, I like how you said that, you know, before it was cool. I mean, I remember in high school, you know, my friends would always call me out for being the tech geek, you know, which is why I do the cyber awareness uh, show. It's pretty much what led me to be, you know, the tech geek who comes in and do these shows. And if they ever found out that I, if I ever watched like anime or, you know, played a game like D&D or World of Warcraft, which I've never played, by the way, you know, that would add another unwanted label to my head. Now you look around today, like everyone's dressed as their favorite characters and like, you know, all these expos like E3 or even a Comic-Con. And I take it that this book embraces the, the nerd culture, which is amazing. Now, as for the museum heist, I think it's pretty unique how you use gamers to steal an artifact or a boat even because, you know, generally you can't really picture a gamer doing stuff like this, you know, but that that's really unique. I, I like that. <laughs> so back to uh, Hobo Finds a Home, you know, it seems like a heartwarming book to read. So can you do you think you can tell me a little bit more about Hobo Finds a Home? It was. It's, it's my first book, and it's it's really heartwarming because it's basically about adoption and how, especially like a cat seems to a lot of times it, it seems to be a little more passive, especially animals. A lot of times, an animal kind of adopts you. I mean, you just don't go out and adopt a cat. So this this one was where I was living out in the country, and this little cat would 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 would, would be hanging around. I called him Hobo because when I went into town, I was in such a place that there were a couple different ways I could go into town, and I would see him a couple miles this way and a couple miles this way, and he had this range, but we have, here in Pennsylvania, we have, like, uh, electrical boxes out in the country, and we have these roofs over them, and he would sometimes sleep under there, and, and, I, and I started calling him Hobo, and I have a joke because it's not, it, because it's kind of triple, is once you name an animal, it kind of becomes yours, so I, I start calling him Hobo, and, and I would start putting food out for him, and then, of course, he hung around, and he, uh, I called him a little lion, and I called him, like, he never seemed to hunt very well. Like, I would I would look out the window, and he'd be chasing butterflies, and I'm like, you can't eat those. Why are you chasing those? <laughs> and, you know, he's just kind of this goofy, silly cat, and um, all of them come, and then I, I would... So it started getting cold out, so I started feeding him inside, and there was this neighborhood cat who uh, was was nice. I treated him not as nice in the book, but he would come over and sometimes eat the food, so I would start feeding him inside, and he just kind of moved in, and you know, this book just kind of evolved around out of a, a story and to tell of how he comes to live with me. So it was kind of a natural process, and I use it as an example when I talk to schools and, and children and such is, you know, you know, stories are all around it. So you can take something that's happened to you and kind of turn it into a story. It's, you know, you don't have to make up something completely out of your imagination. I, I do best when I have these little seeds that give me ideas and I kind of tie it into the things that I know. That's what works best for me. Yeah, exactly. So I just don't know how you do it, like how you were able to cat to come over because I mean every time I try to feed them you know the cat would either hiss, hiss at me or just take off you know judging from what you told me I know I believe that hobo has found a special place in your home as well you know having hobo 
go through something like that, you know, must have been terrible as well. Um, so, I mean, if, uh, you know, if um, cats could talk, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, those meows at you, I'm pretty sure those are thank yous. So, you probably won't get to a lot of these questions. So, I want to ask, uh, what are you working right now? What are you working on right now? Well, I'm, I'm right now I'm working on another dog story. I have a I have a book called Molly's Dog with Diabetes, which is about a real dog and her journey with diabetes. And that turned out so well that I'm actually doing another book that's called Ellie, the Service Dog. Ellie is a real live dog who works as a service dog with a with a with an ex marine. With and you know, and some of, so it's going to go from her point of view, some of the jobs that she does for a human. And how, you know, how, and then the second part is going to be on protocol and how to, to uh, approach a service dog. Uh, that sounds lovable already, actually. <laughs> you're, that's, I love, uh, I love what books your, your, your summary of your book so far. It seems really heartwarming and all that, you know, like from, from Molly, from Molly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you, you had your book called, uh, Molly Has Diabetes. And, yep. uh, and now the service dog. So I'm pretty sure those are pretty heartwarming. So where can we find your books? Well, you can find my books wherever books hang out. So I, of course, sell them at my bookstore uh, for my shelf books. And if you visit them, it's a great place. But you can also buy them online from me through my wellsboroughbookstore.com. That is my that's my books website. But you can also, if you're lucky, like, since I have a small bookstore, I love bookstores. And if you're lucky enough to have a bookstore near you, the bookstore can order them. Now, there's so many books that no bookstore can stock them all. But if you go in and ask to order any books from like the Tolly Ninja Raccoons or Kevin Coolidge, they can order them for you. And, of course, if you, know, if you buy them online, you can buy them online in the usual places like Walmart.com, eBay, Amazon. They're on Amazon. Any of those places you can get them. If you want to sign personalized copy, the best place is wellsboroughbookstore.com, and you can get one right from my bookstore, and they'll send it right out that day. Awesome. All right, just to wrap up, um, where can we where can we find you on social media? Well, the Totally Ninja Raccoons have their own webpage, the Totally Ninja Raccoons, and I post any any signings I have, any any events I do, I do. Uh, last year I did 20 or 25 events of those. About 20 of them were open to the public, so if you were in the area, you could stop by and, and talk to me about the Ninja Raccoons. Uh, you can also check out my my Facebook page uh, from my shop books. I'm the one that's in charge of the social media, and it's a fun page with lots of book news and geek and um, fun stuff that I post every day. Awesome. All right. Um, unfortunately, we are running out of time, but um, it, was, it was a it was a pleasure to have you here, uh, Mr. Coolidge. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this episode, and uh, I hope uh, we uh, get more episodes with you. Well, thanks, Freddie. It was a it was a lot of fun. You did a great job. All right. Thank you so much. All right. My next episode, we're gonna shift back gears into a cyber awareness which i would like to talk about the cloud and security issues uh, surrounding it and i'm going to be pre-recording it because i am busy at work so thank you again mr coolidge for dropping in this means not only 
this means a lot to not only us here at NHG, but to those who are listening in. I hope the listeners get a chance to give his books a good read. So be sure to check out our other shows out at NHG. Again, thank you, Mr. Coolidge. Thank you, listeners, and have yourself a wonderful night. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Don't forget to rate us and follow us on your podcast player. Check out our show page, radio.newheightseducation.org, for monthly announcements and other happenings. Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring Curiosity Stream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste Made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com.